Please pray with me. A love so amazing. A love that was purely divine. That Jesus, that you would go to the cross for us. So that we could know and taste and experience and be changed by the Father's love. Through the Son's sacrifice. Experience through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for having a love so divine that you would send your only Son to rescue sinners like us. Oh, a love divine. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for the love you have for us that you would become one of us to rescue us and to bring us to the Father. Oh, what a love divine. Oh, Holy Spirit, what love you have for the Father and the Son and you have for us that you would come and you would give us eyes to see who Jesus really is and hearts to believe. Oh, Holy Spirit, the divine one, come and be with us. Show us the agony of the cross so that we could see the depths of your love for us, triune God. Be with us. Because a love like that demands our all. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. The most important of meals, it requires that you are surrounded by the most important people in your life. Is it not true? I mean, those meals that you look forward to, those, those meals you long for. I mean, the best meals, you're surrounded by what you call family, friends. Those are the most important. Those are the best meals. And oh, how I love it. And God has blessed us with a large family and a long table. And the highlight of my day is those meals with the ones you love the most. The most important meal that Jesus would ever have here on earth. I mean, the most important meal he would have being surrounded by the most important people in his life. His disciples. I mean, those that he had spent three years with. I mean, those that he had given his life to and, and trained and, and poured into. Then there it was, the most important meal in his earthly life, surrounded by the most important people in his life. And tonight we're going to gaze a little closer into that last meal and the things that Jesus said. And we're going to look closely because if we look closely what was happening in that last meal that's portrayed before us here tonight, we look closely, we'll see who Jesus is. I mean, this Messiah who washes feet. I mean, the ones who are most important when their toes are still moist. He's telling them incredible words of life. If we look closely, we will see not only who he is, but we'll see what he did. I mean, this Jesus, this king, the king of kings and lord of lords, who, a king who, who lays his life down for those he calls friends. If we look closely, we'll see how we are to live. It's Jesus, this, this Messiah. It's Jesus, this, this King. This Jesus who, who washes feet. This Jesus who says, listen, a new command I give for you. 
a new command that was given tonight. I want you to love. And here's how I want you to love. I want you to love one another. And I want you to do it the way I love you. What an amazing friend that we have. What an amazing Savior. We're going to pick up a little bit of scripture tonight and look at John, John 15. It was uh, uh, the gospel of John that Jesus spends most of the time uh, discussing with his friends, his disciples, what this meal really meant, what this night really meant, what this whole world really means. It's Jesus who will tell us that he is a friend to sinners like us. Let's look to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15. Jesus has washed their feet. Jesus has given them a new command. And Jesus has told them, hey, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to come. And after the meal, Jesus continues to tell them about what he's to do for them. He says this in John uh, John 15, verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. I find it interesting, just one chapter earlier, in chapter 14, Peter. Peter says to Jesus, I'll lay my life down for you. That's what friends do, right? But yet he'd be a denier. But here we have Jesus who says there's no greater love than this. It's someone who actually does it, who lays down his life for his friends. And he says this, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and at the fruit you should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Again, let's pray. Jesus, come and be our friend. Be with us so that we could see the depths of your love for sinners like us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. What an amazing passage. First of all, we see that Jesus is a friend of sinners. And and what good news that is. I mean, it should be amazing news for all of us. But what good news it is for Jesus, because who is he sitting around the table with? I mean, that most important meal, that most important night, he calls friends, those who are a bunch of sinners. Well, who's there? There's a guy named Thomas. We'll know him as a doubter. Thomas, although he was with Jesus for three years, is going to say, basically, there's no way he's alive again. There's no way. I'm not going to believe it until I just touch him, until I see the nail prints. Who's there having that meal? It's Thomas. He's a doubter. There's Peter. Peter's a denier. (laughs) He'll prove to be an amazing denier. I mean, he's going he's gonna to that night cuss out to heaven and say, I swear to God, I don't even know him. He's going to be there. Who else will be there? Well, there'll be John. John will be a boaster. I mean, John's a disciple who, when he writes about this story, you know what he calls himself? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's me. 
And John will be a disciple, a, 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 a boaster. And then there's Matthew. I mean, Matthew was such a mess that when the scripture talks about sinners, it has to have a separate category for tax collectors. It can hardly say that they were just sinners. You can say tax collectors and sinners. So it's like, it's like saying, this is like the pond scum. This is like the bottom dwellers of sinners. Tax collectors. They rob from God's people and they give it to Rome. He's there. The Gospel of Luke tells us what was going on as well at that night. It tells us a little bit about the dining room conversation. You ever sat back and just listened to those around the table talk? You love it when it's focused on things you love and the families get along well. Doesn't it drive you crazy when there's bickering and shouting and you think, I get ruined a good meal. Look forward to this. And yet, <laughs> Jesus' disciples, the biggest meal of his life, here's what they're arguing about. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? On the night that God himself is washing their feet, on the night that their Messiah disrobes himself to, to show them the depth of his love, they're arguing over who is the greatest. Sinners surround Jesus. Sinners surround Jesus. And here's what he calls them. Friends. He doesn't call them slaves. He doesn't call them servants. Amazingly, he doesn't treat them like slaves. He doesn't treat them like servants. He not only calls them friends, he, he treats them like their brothers. I mean, he treats them like their family. He couldn't treat them better. It's not just that he loved them enough to wash their feet. I mean, he loved them enough to bleed for them. And what does he call them? Friend. He'll say this. There's no love greater than this, guys. There's no greater love than this, that, that, a, that a, the man's going to lay down his life for his friends. He's basically saying, you'll never experience what you're about to experience. There's nothing like this. You're my friends. I'm going to lay my life down for you. Friend of sinners, Jesus. You know, I got to be honest. I'm comfortable with sinners. I really am. I'm comfortable with the broken. It's those self-righteous religious people that I'm, I'm most uh, uncomfortable with. How about you? I mean, it's those self-righteous religious people that kind of, kind of really kind of irritate me and make me nervous. Well, it was the religious people in Jesus' day, the people who gave Jesus the hardest time. It was the religious people that made him the most irritated. It was the religious people and then the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when they were trying to describe who this Jesus was, they wanted to give him a title that was the most derogatory title that they could ever give him. And they looked at this guy who hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And he looked at this guy who would throw parties for tax collectors and sinners. They looked at this guy and said, he's a drunk. He's a glutton. And here's what they try to tag him with. And he's a friend of sinners. Oh, hallelujah. Is he a friend of sinners? Oh, what a blessed title. They thought they were ripping on him. They thought they were mocking him. 
But I have such good news. Jesus is a friend of sinners. I love that, don't you? Yeah, the sinners. The people who knew they were broken. I mean, the people who who knew they needed a savior. The people that are a bit rough around the edges. Jesus, a friend of sinners. Friend of those who have a tendency to deny. Those who have a tendency to boast. Those who have a tendency to doubt. Those are the people that I feel comfortable with. And those are the friends that that Jesus felt comfortable with. Friend of sinners. Isn't that good news? I was recently with a friend of mine. We had dinner together. His life has fallen apart. His marriage has fallen apart. Uh, Sin has wreaked havoc on all that he used to know and love. And after dinner, I was amazed, saying, man, I'm just so comfortable with him. There was just no pretense. There was no pretending. There was two broken men longing to be loved by a Savior named Jesus. And I sat there after that dinner and said, man, do I feel comfortable with sinners. And here's why, because they kind of fit like a glove, right? I mean, birds of a feather, we flock together. But you got to get this tonight. And what absolutely amazes us about this story is that Jesus loves sinners. You ready for this? Yet he's not a sinner. Jesus loves sinners, and yet he's not a sinner. How could the perfect one, how could the righteous one, how could the sinless one, how could the spotless lamb of God love losers or broken, sinful people? I don't know about you, but I usually despise someone's brokenness. How could he not despise us? Jesus, perfect, sinless, spotless, yet friend of sinners. You see, only a divine love, listen, only a divine love could love sinners like us and not be one. Because he was a friend of sinners, we could become friends with God. Did you hear that? Because he is friend of sinners, we could become friends with holy God. Because he is friend of sinners, we could become a part of God's holy family. What an amazing blessing that is. Jesus, friend of sinners. Have you heard not heard it said, it takes one to know one? I mean, it's a great comeback on the playground when you're about fourth grade. Oh, yeah? Well, it takes one to know one. I'm rubber, you're glue. Bounces off me, sticks on you. It takes one to know one. Can you really be a friend without knowing somebody? I mean, can you really become close and a friend without really getting to know them? I guess you could become like a Facebook friend. Is that what he's calling us, Facebook friends? Hey, you're my Facebook friends. We just kind of have a relationship. I'll I'll, I'll click on you. You like me. I like you. Click. No. He became one of us to know us. 
Listen, to become your friend, to become my friend, he had to become one of us to know us. Jesus became one of us to truly know us. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect. God became fully man. Why? So that he might become, you ready for this? A merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, to pay for our sins. Jesus had to become one of us to really be merciful to us. What a friend. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a Savior, a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with us, with our weakness, but one who in every way was tempted as we are, yet he's without sin. Here's the point. Jesus became one of you, one of us, to know you. Jesus became one of us to sympathize with us, to sympathize in our weakness. Not only to become one of us to know us, and not only to have to sympathize with us, he became a man of sorrows to know our sorrows. Isaiah 53, 3 says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not, but he brought us peace. What a friend. What a friend would come to be with us, to know us. What a friend to understand us, to sympathize with us. What a friend who would become a man of sorrows. And so on your most sorrowful, broken moment, you have a friend who's been there. And his name is Jesus. But there's more. He became our sin to give us his righteousness. Jesus, friend of sinners, although never was a sinner. Jesus, unlike us, wasn't born in sin. He was born of the virgin, sinless one. Jesus, unlike us, Scripture says, his whole life never experienced sin. Yet Jesus, friend of sinners, became our sin. On the cross, that friend named Jesus bore all of your filth past, present, and future, if you are a child of God, that Jesus on the cross, he became your and my sin. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, what a friend of sinners who would bear our sin so that we could have God's love and righteousness. In the Gospel of John, in uh, chapter 18, when they finally come to arrest him, Jesus says these words, Who is it you seek? I am he. If you seek me, let these go. Let my friends go. Let my friends be free. I'll take the crime. I'll become the sin. Take me. Free them. My brothers and sisters, that's the greatest news of a Savior who was an ultimate friend that would become your sin and says to the Father, take me. Crucify me. But let them go. 
Because they are my friend. Is Jesus your friend? I mean, is he your friend? Well, Scripture says he's your friend if you have done what he commands. What does he command? Well, ultimately, that you confess your sins before a holy God and embrace him as your Lord and as your Savior. Is Jesus your friend? If yes, he laid down his life for you. Is Jesus your friend? If yes, he laid down his life for you. If Jesus is your friend, if your friends, listen, he laid down his life for you. Oh, what a friend. We're going to celebrate the reality of a friend who would pay such a price for sinners like us to be called his friends and his family. We're going to come to a table and a meal and just be reminded of the price he would pay for friends like us. As we come, let me ask you these questions. Whose feet is Jesus asking you to wash? He says that we are to be like him. Whose sorrow is Jesus asking you to carry? Whose sin is Jesus asking you to endure? Let us pray. Father God, we don't have words to describe the depths of your love, but we see it so clearly when by your grace we focus on your son's cross. He laid his life down for me. He laid his life down for us. No greater love has this world ever known, seen, or heard about than God becoming one of us to rescue us. That God's love was so great that he would lay his life down for those he calls friends. Thank you. May we forever be changed because of that reality. Come and feed us now with this meal. Come to all those who call you Savior and that you call friend. Come Remind us again of the sacrifice. Remind us of the cost. Drive us to the cross and leave us there in a way that we can once again drink deeply from the love of a God who would call sinners like us. That's my friend. It's my family. And I love them. Come, feed us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to give you a few words of instructions and then we'll have uh, uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, first of all, we would love for you to come. If you're here tonight and you're here with your family, uh, we would love for you to come with your family. Um, if they're not here tonight or you're by yourself, we are all family. Uh, come uh, as you are. That's awesome. But we have set up 10 stations. Uh, you'll see uh, that these, these chairs are where you will go. Um, we will have the Lord's Supper with intention method, which means that you will be given the bread 
Um, you can rip a piece of bread and then shortly thereafter an elder will come or a pastor will come and give you the cup. Uh, at that time you will dip the bread into the cup and go ahead and take communion. The uh, pastors and elders want to say, how do we wash their feet well? Well, we want to pray for you. We, we are family. We want to show that love of Christ. So after you take the Lord's Supper, uh, we're going to ask you if you have any prayer requests. And if you don't have any, we're going to pray for you anyway. Um, it's just an opportunity for us to say uh, the Lord loves you, and, and, and we do as well. This will this will take some time. We're going to sing several songs. This is a time for you to just spend time with the Lord. Uh, we've set the cross up here. If some of you afterwards or beforehand want to come and, and come to the cross and, and pray and say, thank you, Jesus, uh, that you call me friend, uh, you're, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, but again, there'll be several songs. Join in with song and uh, spend time. Spend time meditating and reflecting on the reality of God's love that would be so deep for you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, on that very night that he had the meal with those who were most important in his life, on that night that he calls them friends and tells them he's going to lay his life down for them, on that night he took bread and after he had given thanks to the Father, he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a meal that really remembering is just for his friends. Who were his friends? Sinners like me. But by God's grace say, I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're a sinner like me, and you have embraced Christ Jesus, he says, come, partake of this. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. In like manner, on that same evening, he took the cup. He said, my friends, this cup, this cup is a whole new deal. It's a whole new covenant, a whole new way that I'm going to be dealing, God the Father will be dealing with you through me. This cup, it represents my shed blood. My blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins for many. Do this in remembrance of me as well. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, this is a meal that Jesus gives to us. Gives to us friends. Gives to us sinners. Father, I'm excited because many of our communicant members that just joined will have their first ever communion. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for your son's sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for giving it to us and thank you for how expensive this meal is. This is the most expensive meal that we'll ever eat. Holy Spirit, come. You say that through this meal that you'll be with us in a special way spiritually and that you'll feed us. Feed us right now, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. I'm gonna be, invite the elders to come and come to their stations. Uh, in a few minutes, the ushers will dismiss you uh, to different sections. Again,
Come. Come to the Lord Jesus, sinner. Come and eat.